the story. This is the story of a poet of the people. The story of what would happen to all creative writing if communism took over America. Walter Kingsford plays the part of Charles Lambert in the story called The Monkey's Cage. Well, are you sure Ramsey hasn't been there tonight? Okay. Have him call us. Tell him to call the magazine if he shows up. No luck? No, his brother hasn't seen him. Have you tried his house? Six times. His landlady threatens to call the cops if I bother her again. Oh, this is ridiculous. A man doesn't go away without leaving a message. Somebody must know where he is. Can't we hold off his story until next month's issue of the Digest? How? We've announced it for this issue, and Bromfield has already done the drawings for it. This isn't like Ramsey. He's always taken his work seriously. Yeah, and sometimes he takes it a little too seriously. Hmm? What do you mean? Did you ever hear him sound off when he's had a couple of drinks? No. Well, I have. Just the other night, as a matter of fact. We stopped in at the Blue Moon for a nightcap. One drink led to another, and before I could stop him, Ramsey started popping off about the curse of communism. That's it. What? Look, Bennett, it's been five years since the communists took over our country. You think they picked up Ramsey? When somebody disappears these days, he hasn't gone to the mountains for a vacation. Yeah. There's one chance. Call the Blue Moon and ask Joe if he's seen Ramsey lately. Well, he saw him the other night. Ask him if he's seen Ramsey since then. Okay, but I don't think it'll do any good. It's a chance. Hello, Blue Moon Cafe. Hello, Joe. Yeah? This is Gil Bennett, Springfield Digest. Oh, hello, Mr. Bennett. Joe, have you seen Mr. Ramsey today? Or yesterday. Or yesterday? No, I haven't. Hasn't been in at all? No, I haven't seen him for quite a while. Well, you saw him the other night. I don't remember. He was standing at the bar with me. Sorry, I don't remember. Now, just a second. I know I was there with Ramsey. And I also know we talked to you. And you talked to us. You even told Ramsey he was drinking too much. Do you remember that? No. And you'd better forget it. Look, Joe. Got to hang up customers. Hello, Joe. Joe! He hung up. Of course. He's afraid to say anything. He knows Ramsey talked too much. And now he realizes that Ramsey disappeared. He knows what'll happen if he talks too much. And they've really got Ramsey. Yeah. But only Commissar Jaeger and his brain trust know what's happened yeah, to him. The other night was just the topper. They've probably tailed him for weeks, months. Know everything he's done. Yes, and everything he's written. Hmm? Those two writers Jaeger forced me to hire. Probably assigned them to the digest just to spy on Ramsey. If you're smart, you'll take Joe's advice and forget you ever knew him. Ask no questions of anyone. Discuss Ramsey's disappearance with no one, unless you want to find yourself on Jaeger's list. As far as I'm concerned, he never existed. But, Ross... It's coming, Bennett. They'll be gunning for all of us before they're through. Yes, they'll get everybody who has any influence in the people's way of thinking. And where's a better place to start than with a literary magazine? They've stopped Ramsey from talking and writing. Who's next is anybody's guess. What about Lambert? Charles? Well, his poetry is read by millions. Not in a hundred years would they find anything in his poetry which could even vaguely be interpreted as anti-communistic. Well, you never can tell. I know what I'm talking about. Why, for years, Charles Lambert has been writing about typical Americana, about the people. Even when he won the Pulitzer Award and went to England for eight years, he still wrote about the things he remembered here in America. No, they'd, they'd never touch anybody like Charles Lambert. He's one man who's safe. <laughs>
Charles. Charles. Charles, dear. Judith, come in. I, I didn't hear you. The rain. It's late, dear. Hadn't you better come to bed? I'm almost finished. Oh, your poem for the Springfield Digest? Yes. I'll read you what I have. I called it The Wheel of Life. Hmm, good title. These things are real. The rain that soaks the ground. The soil that grows alfalfa, grain, and corn. The crops that feed the cattle and the pigs. The food that fills our bellies gives us life. A fleeting thought, a moment at a time. These things are real, and they are all the count. These things are free, a lover's tender kiss, a baby's smile, the thought, this child is mine, the firm and honest handshake of a friend, the robin's song, the apple trees in bloom, the beauty of the autumn's changing hues. These things are free, and so remember them. That's all I have so far. Oh, I like it. It's you remembering all those years back on your father's farm in Iowa. Oh, is it that obvious an autobiography? <laughs> well, when a woman is married to the same man for 35 years, there's little about him she doesn't know. Has it been that long? 35 next Christmas. I'd lost track. Uh, I've lost track of a lot of things recently. We all have, dear. So unbelievable, Judith. In so short a time to have lost so much. Five years won't be long before every last suggestion of American democracy will be wiped out. Now that the communists have taken over. Oh, you're tired, dear. Why don't you come to bed? I will. In a little while. I want to finish my work so I can take it to the digest in the morning. Well, all right, but don't be too long. I won't. Good night. Good night, dear. Oh, dear, I do hope the storm will be over soon. You never know when that lightning's going to strike. <laughs> Good morning, Russ. Oh, Charles, come in. Here's my latest effort for the digest. <laughs> Written in your usual earthy style, of course. Oh, decide that for yourself. After all, you're the editor of this magazine. Mm, ever been a time I didn't like your stuff? No, but uh, times have changed, my friend. Yes, yes, they have. Uh, what's wrong? Commissar Yeager and the Union of Soviet American Writers insisted that I put a couple of loyal party members on staff. Be sure we keep our literary noses clean. Ah. Outside of that, all's right with the world. Let's see what you've written. Judith insists it's my autobiography in verse. Mm -hmm. These things are real. The rain that soaks the ground, the soil that grows alfalfa, grain, corn. I'm positive it's innocuous enough to be acceptable, even to the administration of the Union of Soviet American Writers. This is good. Think there's anything in it that might offend Commissar Yeager? Can't see anything. Hmm, it's a poem about the people. That should please them. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, I was just wondering what Yeager's mob would do to some of our other American poets who wrote about the people. Emerson, Walt Whitman, Sandberg. Mm. I remember one of Sandberg's poems. The strong men keep coming on. They go down shot, hanged, sick, broken. They live on, fighting, sighing, lucky as plungers, the strong mothers pulling them on, the strong mothers pulling them from a dark sea, a great prairie, a long mountain. Call hallelujah, call amen, call deep thanks. The strong men keep coming on. 
If Sandberg wrote that today, they'd boil him in oil for advocating the overthrow of communist rule in America. Excuse me, Mr. Taylor. Hmm? Yeah, what is it, Fred? Commissar Jaeger would like to speak with you. Jaeger? Uh, tell him to come in. Yes, Mr. Taylor. Jaeger here? Think it means trouble? No, I don't think so. Probably just on a tour of inspection. Well, I'm leaving. Mr. Jaeger and I have nothing in common. Mm, I'll let you know what happens. Bye. Bye, Russ. Bye. Oh, uh, hello, Jaeger. Commissar Jaeger, Lambert. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Sorry. Uh, see you later, Russ. Right. Come in, Commissar. Hmm. I see Lambert hasn't learned yet that we don't accept familiarity between the workers and the administration. Uh, sit down, sit down. Thank you. You'll have to forgive him, Commissar. Those poets live in a world of their own. Yes. That's what I want to talk to you about. Oh? The administration isn't happy with some of the writing in the Springfield Digest. But we haven't printed anything. You are popularizing the works of writers whose literary and political thoughts conflict with ours. Your writers have forgotten that the first aim of Soviet American culture is the education of the people to party doctrine and policy. Ooh, where do our writers conflict? They concern themselves with a form of writing that is empty and foreign to the way in which we are educating the Soviet American people. Uh, this Charles Lambert is a good example. His verses are saturated with a spirit of pessimism and melancholy. But he writes about the people. His poetry is simple, honest, and most certainly not foreign to the communist line of thought. Here, uh, this is his latest poem. Uh, read it for yourself. Hmm? Hmm. <laughs> the wheel of life. Yes, he writes about things we see around us, things which are part of our everyday lives. Hmm. This is what you would call art for art's sake. Yes, I would. Hmm. It's filled with words which mean nothing. It speaks of personal pleasures and property which belongs to the individual. Here, a baby smile, the thought, this child is mine. Under the Soviet American government, Taylor, the children belong to the state. But the, You the... claim he writes about the people, but this poem, filled with individualistic thinking, would bring harm to the cause of the education of our Soviet American youth. We can't accept it. Do you understand? Yes. The idealistic years of your American literature are over, finished. You are now living in the true democracy. It is evident that you have been publishing worthless works because you were afraid of offending a friend. But from now on, the Springfield Digest will accept no more pep like this work of Lambert's. From now on, all your writers will conform to the party line. Our literature cannot have interests other than the interests of the state and the people. The people, yes. Have I made myself clear? Only too clear, Commissar Jaeger. Why, Russell? Hello, Judith. What are you doing here this time of day? Is Charles home? Yes, yes, I'll call him. Charles? Oh, Charles? Yes? Uh, Russell Taylor is here. Russ, uh, be right there. He'll be right down. Thanks. Do you care for a cup of tea? Uh, no, 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 oh, thanks. Coffee. Nothing, thanks, nothing. Something's wrong. Yes. What is it? Wait till Charles comes down. Uh, didn't you like his poem? Of course I did. I thought it was good. It's, well, it's so... It's filled with the things he believes in. I know. 
Well, if you like the poem, I don't see what... I wasn't expecting to see you quite so soon. You see, Judith? <laughs> He's what I call a real friend. Not only does he buy practically everything I write, but he also brings me my check personally. Charles, uh, I'd like to talk to you seriously. What is it? I... I didn't bring your check. As a matter of fact, there... There isn't going to be a check this time. Why? What do you mean? But you said you like Charles' poem. Uh, sit down, both of you. Sit down. Commissar Yeager delivered an ultimatum from the Union of Soviet American Writers this afternoon. What? It affects all the contributors to the Digest, particularly you, Charles. But why, Charles, he hasn't written anything anti-communistic. No, he hasn't, no. Neither has he written anything to advance the teaching of Soviet American lit literature to the, to the youth of this country. Yeager said that. And we said a lot more. He claims your work is idealistic pap, art for art's sake, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. That, that you've forgotten the primary purpose of Soviet American culture is to educate the people to a party doctrine and policy. Soviet American culture? Creeping paralysis would be more like it. Charles! What else did the noble commissar have to say? The digest is to discontinue publishing any works marked by ideological and political neutrality and alien to Soviet American literature. What does that mean? It means, my dear, that the personal liberty we've been enjoying is being seriously threatened. From now on, Charles and all the other writers will have to concern themselves with the spreading, with spreading Soviet culture in their writing and, and forget anything and everything which even suggests our dead democracy. The beginning and the end. Oh, that's impossible. How can they expect Charles to spread Soviet culture when he's an American poet? Judith, there's no longer any such thing as an American poet. A man is either a Soviet-American poet writing to further the educational aims of the Central Committee in Washington, or, he, or he's nothing. And an editor of a literary magazine must reject his work as being unsuitable. You mean you're going to change the policy of the Digest just like that? Yes. Hey, you can't. What choice do I have? We're the last straw the people can cling to. If we let the Central Committee tell us what to write and how to think, then we'll be a completely lost nation. But if we can hold out against them, there's still hope. Just how do you think we could accomplish that? You can't reason with them. There's no such thing as a compromise. With, uh, with them, it's all take and no give. There's no compromise with me either. Charles, you're just being stubborn. The communists aren't asking you to give up your writing altogether. Aren't they? I'm certain they'd allow you to continue writing if you'd, well, just temper your writing. Slant it just a little in their direction. Do you honestly think I could do that? I don't see why not. Well, I can't. Charles! I can't lead the people into believing something false or into accepting the, the tinseled promises of the communist ideologies. I can't do it, Judith. For 35 years, you watched me write. You read what I wrote. You also know that I've never written anything which even vaguely suggested the destruction of democracy. How can you expect me to do that now? But Charles, you have no other choice. Don't I? I know the people, Judith. I know that what they once believed in and fought for. And I know that we'd still have those things the people believed in if we'd all fought just a little harder. Maybe I am stubborn, but I can never write a single word the way the communists wanted me to and, and still remain faithful to the people or to myself. Oh, Charles. Russell, see what you can do. See if you can't talk some of this stubbornness out of him. I'm not so sure I want to, Judith. What? But, Russell, you... You see... Charles has made me realize that a drowning man doesn't stop swimming. What? He keeps trying to save himself until there's no breath left oh. in him. We've been friends for a good many years, Charles. I couldn't desert you now and live with my conscience. 
Thank you, Russ. What are you going to do, Russell? If this husband of yours is so determined on fighting Commissar Jaeger and his masterminds, you'll need some help. And I'm going to try to give it to him. I don't know how far we'll get, but at least we'll be doing what we both believe in. Taylor, I want to talk to you. Certainly, Commissar Jaeger. Sit down, sit down. This isn't a friendly visit. No? Here. I've just finished reading the latest issue of the Digest. I hope it met with the approval of the Union Committee. It did not. I'm sorry. What exactly displeased you? Charles Lambert's poem. A visit to the zoo? But why should that displease you? It's just a description of a group of children touring the zoo and their reactions. Is that all it is? Yes. Since the primary aim of Soviet-American literature is to educate the youth of our country, Lambert felt that a dissertation on a zoo might be uh, an entertaining source of information. A description of the animals, their habits, their homes. Yes, yes, I know all that. It's a simple little poem. It was written to amuse, not to offend anyone, Commissar. Lambert is a clever writer, Taylor. Yes, he but is. But not clever enough. For the past several months, his aims have become much too clear. He insists he's a poet of the people, writing for the people. But that's a lie. He depicts the Soviet-American people as loafers, as stupid and crude. He's incapable of finding in the life of the Soviet-American people one positive thing, one positive figure. He continually mocks of Soviet-American life, Soviet-American institutions. Yes, even the very people he claims to be writing for. That's not so, Commissar. He has nothing but the interest of the party at heart. He's a faithful supporter of the advancement of Soviet-American literature. I don't believe that. But it's true. Then, how do you explain his description of the monkey's cage in a trip to the zoo? Explain? It's a deliberately deformed and vulgar caricature of the life of the Soviet-American people, written in order to insert into the mouth of a monkey the poisonous anti-Soviet maxim that it is better to live in a zoo than at liberty, and that it is easier to breathe in a cage than among Soviet-American people. You actually think that's what he meant? I know that's what he meant. Oh, but if you can read thoughts like that into Lambert's words, how is he to know what to write? And, and how am I to know what I can, can or cannot publish in the Digest? You won't have to worry about that, Taylor. What do you mean? You're no longer the editor of the Digest. Of course. You were told to change the policy of your magazine, but apparently you've been unable to do that. So, for the purpose of introducing the necessary order into the work of the editorial office of the Digest and improving the material appearing in its pages... The Central Committee has appointed a new editor-in-chief and an editorial board. I understand. And Charles Lambert? Lambert has an appointment to appear before the committee at three o'clock. What are you going to do to him? Do? We're not going to do anything. We'd just like to ask him a few questions, that's all. You'll never get him to propagandize his writing. Mm, he might be convinced. Never. Nikolai Lenin once said that the Soviet regime rested on a balance of coercion and persuasion. I hope Lambert can be persuaded. You will be quiet, comrades. I ask for quiet. Mr. Lambert. Yes? Commissar Jaeger? <laughs> Lambert, uh, 
You've been called before the committee to explain why you have refused to recognize the aims of the Union of Soviet American Writers, as stated in the Union's charter. I have nothing to explain. We have found no trace of party doctrine or policy in any of your writings. How do you explain that? I've written nothing either for or against the party. Then you admit you write for the undermining of Soviet American literature. I don't write to undermine anything. I write for the people. <laughs> the people. <laughs> I've heard you called the poet of the people. But since it's obvious that you write only because you are well paid for your writing, what can you really know about the people and the way they live? What do I know about the people? To begin with, I never finished school. When I was 13, I drove a milk wagon. By the time I was 19, I'd been a porter in a barber shop, a scene shifter in a cheap theater, a truck driver for a brickyard, a dishwasher in a Denver hotel, and a farmhand in Iowa. I've worked till my hands were so blistered I couldn't close them. And I can remember nights when I was so tired I couldn't sleep. Yes, I know the people, Commissar Yeager, because I was one of them. And we once had a government in Washington where the representatives of the people made laws for the good of the people. No, just Not laws which destroyed their wills and turned them into a nation of cowed and brow-beaten slaves. You have said enough. I haven't begun to talk. You wanted me to explain why I refused to recognize the aims of the Union of Soviet American Writers. I'll tell you why. You accuse me and the others of specializing in the writing of shallow and empty works, of including subtle propaganda which is designed to confuse and poison the minds of our youth. You accuse our editors of publishing works which are alien to the realities of contemporary life. I agree that these accusations should be made, ah. but they should be made by us. We should accuse you of these things, which you are doing with your, your enlightened program of communist lies. Lambert, you will sit down. You've told us that the task of the American Soviet literature is to aid the state, to educate the youth correctly, to rear a new generation, strong and vigorous, believing in the cause of freedom, fearing no obstacles to truth. This is also my task, but I'll bring them the real truth, the truth they can believe in as long as they live. That will be all for the present, Lambert. You will be sent home under guard until the committee has made its decision. spring, Charles. There's a robin out there in the apple tree. I hear. Charles. Yes, dear? Charles, what will they do to you? We'll know soon enough. Oh, Charles. Please, dear. Uh, Russell. Yes? Close the window. All right. Why did you have to say what you did? Why did you have to say anything? He said only what he believed, Judith. And by saying it, he has destroyed himself. Would you have had me destroy my soul instead? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If I can no longer give people something to believe in, to hold on to, there's nothing left. Don't say that. The Central Committee has already begun to circulate propaganda among the people, telling them that my poetry has been a mockery, that the words I've written actually picture them as uncouth, stupid, narrow-minded, that I wrote only for personal glory. But that's not true. People will believe they it. They can't. I'm afraid they will, Judith. Oh. Well, Russell, 
<laughs> we tried. Yes. Will you take this? What is it? My epitaph. <gasps> By what odd chance did I go shouting in my songs that I am a friend of the people? My poems are no longer needed here. <laughs> and I, too, by your leave, I am no longer needed. <laughs> Bloom, youth, grow healthy in your bodies. You have another life, a new refrain. But I go on alone to the unknown country, <laughs> my rebel soul forever humbled. Charles! I'll answer it. Hello? Yes? Yes. Very well. Yes. Right away. The committee is ready to give its decision. Lambert? You stand accused not only of refusing to write according to party policy, but for treasonable utterance against the Central Committee of the All-Union Soviet American Party. Ordinarily, such action is punishable by death or banishment. But in your case, we are making an exception. You're a brilliant writer, Lambert. It's unfortunate that your writings have been filled with words which are empty, unreal, However, it is the feeling of the committee that in time you may still be valuable to us as a writer. Never. Hmm. Never is a long time. You may change your mind. Until you do, you will continue writing. What? Oh, not to a poetry, you understand. What then? You have insisted you are a poet of the people, that you are one of the people. Very well. Since you feel it is easier to breathe in a cage than among loyal party members, you will be given your own little office, a desk and a chair. And as the days go by, the months, the years, your job will be to write about the people you love. But you won't write about the things that bring them life. No, you will write their death notices. Hereafter, you will be in charge of the Springfield Digest obituary column. The interview is ended. have just heard a story of what happens to a poet under a communist regime. You have just heard what would happen to any American writer if communism took over America. You think this could not happen? It did happen when the communists took over their own country, Russia. It did happen in 1925 when the 30-year-old poet Sergei Esenin committed suicide. It was his epitaph which ended, but I go on alone to the unknown country, my rebel soul forever humbled. It did happen in 1936 when Maxim Gorky, the novelist, was poisoned 
It did happen in 1946 when the editor of the journal Zvezda was replaced and the author Zoschenko was expelled from the Union of Soviet Writers. Whether it was suicide, poison, or expulsion does not matter. What does matter is that with their literary death died truth. What avail the plow or sail, or land or life, if freedom fail? You have just heard This is the Story, starring Walter Kingsford as Charles Lambert. Music was composed by Earl Lawrence with musical direction by Michelle Perrier. The Monkey's Cage was written for This is the Story by Milton Kahn, produced and directed by Robert M. Young. Bill Stewart speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. (laughs) ¶¶